for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host today, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by my loving co-host, uh, producer, graphics, put her together. There's definitely a different way I could have said that, but he does it all, Mr. Jaden Kozak. How you doing, man? You ready to talk some uh, some week six NFL action? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, we... Uh... Got to see a lot of action here in this week six. Pretty excited to talk about. Didn't get to preview it with you guys, but you guys still put together a great show. Um, we're gonna try and get some of the bigger takeaways from this week without giving all the you know, all the games didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and keep an eye out for a nice uh, little fun episode we got later this week. Do you want me to spoil the content, or do we want to keep that a secret? May not be this week, so let's let's hold it. But okay, just keep an eye. Okay, out. yeah. Keep an eye out for a very, not only do we have an interesting topic for the podcast in general, which I'll keep under wraps, but keep an eye out. This Dallas Cowboys talk is coming at some point, and we're not going to dive into it right now. We got, I was about to fist fight you on the phone earlier. Like we talked about it in length before the podcast. So I'm excited to talk about that at some point because I got blown up for my Giants take. So it's only right that you get blown up for your Cowboys take. All depends on how the game goes tonight, though. So we'll watch that as of this recording. It's Monday Night Football going on right now. A lot of sports going on right now. Baseball is in the heat of it. But we're looking forward to recapping Week 6 action, uh, taking some takeaways from this past week, and seeing what kind of stuff carries into Week 7. So without further ado, man, let's dive right into it. And I'll let you go ahead and uh, take it away for your first takeaway from Week 6. Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting to the point now where we can start talking about this Lions team as a Super Bowl team. And that that is obviously my first takeaway here is that the Lions are a legit Super Bowl threat now. And we haven't been able to say that since our parents have been alive. Uh, maybe At least. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have some loving memories of Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford, but were they a good football team? Now they no. they had a they had a playoff appearance here and there, but they've JFK has missed one Lions playoff win. Like this is this is where we're at here. But this team, man, like I I didn't I can't say that I expected this. I had them somewhere in the teens, but they're balling out right now. And I just want to first touch on Jared Goff, man. And I think this all comes back to him. This is a guy that a lot of people had as a mid tier, you know outside of the superstars with the Kirk Cousins, with the Dak Prescotts, that kind of quarterback heading into the season. And he's continues to prove that he's not that guy. Like he was the number one overall pick, had a slow start, then was able to build himself up and kind of got labeled as only being able to work with McVay. And now you're seeing it in Detroit as well. He's got an excellent play caller here, which helps a good bit, but he's being able to create a little bit more uh, out of structure, you know, go move through your reads and stuff like that. Um, 
he's also always had the arm talent, always had the arm strength. He's got a good enough arm, and he just he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, I he doesn't get thrown in that conversation when we start talking about it because of what the Dolphins are doing with Tua and Mahomes and those types of guys. But Jared Goff is a legitimate MVP candidate right now, especially with the Lions' current record. Like this offense is fourth in the NFL in points per game, fourth in yards per game. Uh, they're towards the top in EPA per play as well. Uh, and that's just one phase of it. The running game for this offense has also been fantastic. A lot of people, myself included, wanted to see more of Jameer Gibbs. But David Montgomery... I will take my flowers, by the way, on David Montgomery. I think it's about time that I did that. Go ahead. Uh, he, he was the guy. Like uh, I'm not saying that he was the guy before the season. But I was like, hey, like despite how he's been looking in that first game that we watched. I remember I was in the airport when I was sending you guys texts. But it's like, he's a great between the tackles back. He's a guy that is going to get hit three or four times in a single run, and it doesn't really matter. Jameer Gibbs just isn't that guy. You need that change of pace. That's all I was saying. And it, David Montgomery ended up being a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. But I was in the camp that he is good rather than bad. So, yeah, I, I don't continue. think I don't think anybody saw this coming from David Montgomery. Like the the level Absolutely. of play that he's been able to put together. Now, unfortunately, he does get an injury in Sunday's game. Uh, it was a, I think it was a rib cartilage injury. And uh, Dan Campbell did say that he may miss some time with that You're out of time. Not entirely sure, but I don't even know like how much worse this offense gets. If it's like Craig Reynolds or somebody like that, or if it is Jameer Gibbs getting that full workload, who really knows? Cause this offensive line, another phase of this offense, you know, this is the number four ranked offensive line in the NFL right now. That's why David Montgomery is able to be so productive. And just overall, it's a very, very good offense. We're starting to see James. It's Williams. why Jared Goff is able yeah. to be so productive. He's able you to know, the whole yeah, stay clean. Uh, and then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and this was honestly the bigger shocker. Like, I thought that this Lions offense would be pretty good, especially with the play calling and the weapons that they have. Dude, their defense is so much better than I thought it was. You want to talk about a single side of the ball that I am most surprised by for a singular team? I, I think in the entire NFL, it's this Lions defense, man. Like, even with the improvements that they made, like they added Cam Sutton, they added Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they did add Emmanuel Mosley. He's already injured, uh, but... They're just, they're able to get so much pressure. I mean, if you watch that Tampa Bay game, it felt like every single time that the Bucks had the ball, Baker Mayfield had to get it out within two to three seconds. Like he had to go every time yep. because they're sending so much pressure. They're able to get so many clean rushers. And for a while, it did kind of feel like it was, or at least last year, it felt like it was Aiden Hutchinson and everybody else. And now these guys are starting to contribute as well as Aiden Hutchinson taking that next step into yeah. not that elite Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Michael Parsons, TJ Watt, Max Crosby tier. But he's definitely, I think, in that tier two of edge rushers with guys like Joey Bosa, Rashawn Gary, Trey Hendrickson. I think he's firmly put himself into that. And we're only in game, what, 24, 25 of his career? He can continue to make strides and potentially get into that tier one of edge rusher one day. Hell, at the rate that he's going, we could be seeing it very soon with the way that he's playing. So... That's the other part of it, but just overall, and, and I really want to hammer home the golf point. I know that was what I started with, but he is the difference in why we think of this as being like, a, oh, this is a sneaky playoff team. They could win this division to the improvements that he's made has moved them into like they can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff like that could happen. And this point gets solidified by the fact that both the Eagles and 49ers lost this past Sunday. The Lions only loss on the season is an overtime loss to the Seattle Seahawks in which they didn't get to have the football in overtime. 
So we could have been talking about coin flip goes a different way. We could be talking about the only six and O team in the NFL right now is in Detroit. So I can't, I cannot believe that I'm, this is like my main takeaway from week six. Nonetheless, like the fact that they're this good, this early blows my mind, but lions are a legit Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I mean, I can't add much more to that than you already glowingly said. I mean, this lions team is legit, especially in the NFC. I mean, you mentioned the top dogs in the NFC both going down this past week. And the Lions look to be that it team right now. And it becomes such an interesting discussion because if this is a Super Bowl team, if you're standing on that mark, then Jared Koff should be paid like a quarterback that can get to the Super Bowl. And that's going to be the quick, the big question coming up here because they're already in contract negotiations. So it's obvious that you pay Jared Goff now, but is he that guy that's going to stay consistent? I think he will. Because this offensive line, I think this offensive line drives this whole team. I think that's what they focused on first when Dan Campbell came in and they restarted the whole rebuild. I mean, you got Sewell coming in. Uh, That was your first draft pick that you made um, in this rebuild of the Lions. So I think you set the tone there. You got Frank Ragnow there. You got a great collection of offensive linemen that is arguably the best in the league. I mean, I know they rank out as third, but do you think there is a better offensive line in the league? Especially with Lane Johnson, possibly. I was about to say, that's the that's the variable. If, if Lane Johnson is healthy, I still think the Eagles take the cake in that department. But the Lions offensive line, you know, you can you can make an argument for them to be that number one for sure. Uh, and, like, just a, one more thing about golf. Like, we walked into this offseason looking at that pick that they had from the L.A. Rams from the Matthew Stafford trade. And we're like, dude, if they can go up a couple spots here, they can go get an Anthony Richardson to go sit behind uh jared goff for the next few years mm-hmm. we were excited about hendon hooker i know like for dynasty leagues and stuff everybody was like oh well, they're gonna get hendon, hendon hooker hendon hooker's gonna start next year two years whatever the year before what if the lions take malik willis at number two instead of aiden mm-hmm. hutchinson or something like that or even at 32 where they had the last pick in the first round from that rams trade talking about talking about a quarterback there i think all of those conversations are done like i think hendon hooker I didn't really like that pick. I mean, I get the process, but like he's only a couple years younger than Jared Goff. Um, and to expect him to get but, to the point where Jared Goff was and especially where he is now. I mean, this guy's yeah. number one graded quarterback on PFF. He's, he's, I believe, in his last 17 starts, he's got 4,400 yards, like a 25 to 4 interception or touchdown interception ratio, 13 and 4 record. He's playing like one of those dudes, and I think that we just have this thought in our minds that he cannot ascend into that conversation. I think he's much closer to guys like Trevor Lawrence, to guys like Lamar Jackson, uh, dare I say, to guys like Justin Hurts, Jalen or Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. He is older he is, than all of those guys. No, but I'm saying I in like say. quarterback rankings, then he is to, yeah. you know, Dak Prescott and that tier of Kirk Cousins. Derek Carr, that tier of quarterback that we had him in coming into the season. A lot of people had him in coming into the season. He's ascended much closer to those guys than he is to uh, the lower tier group that we had him in. Yeah, no, I could totally agree with that. Another guy before we move on that's also starting to ascend into elite company and at his position, Sam Laporta, dude. I mean, there was a lot of question marks about whether Sam Laporta was the right pick when he got made. I mean, Michael Mayer was still on the board. You still had Darnell Washington still on the board. So it was kind of an interesting pick when they made it. 
and it's turned out in all the best ways. I mean, he's easily the best rookie tight end. He's the fifth ranked tight end in all of football right now. And he's another Iowa guy who's built for that, you know? Yeah, so mean, another Iowa tight end that seems like it's working out is awesome. Yeah. And I think you got to credit a lot of that to Dan Campbell comes over as a tight end coach, gets this head coaching job and he's had TJ Hawkinson. Now he's got Sam Laporta. He had eight games of not having a, one of the three or four best tight ends in the league. Cause Sam Laporta, quite frankly, I mean, you don't see this from rookie tight ends. We talked about this, especially for fantasy purposes. We were like, oh, rookie tight ends, you know, it's they usually don't get going until a year, two years. This is almost yep. unprecedented in recent times to see a tight end play this in. It's not like a flash in the pan thing. I know we're only six weeks in, but he's been consistent week in, week out, getting production, and it's just another weapon for them. Amon Ra, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, Jamison Williams getting back into the fold. Josh Reynolds is playing really well. Like It's, it's a lot of good going on in Detroit right now. Yeah, and that's why the Lions are a Super Bowl team right now. So my big takeaway or my first big takeaway from this week is that the Chiefs are altering their identity. Let me say that again because I didn't get Chiefs out all the way. The Chiefs are altering their identity. And the basis behind that, man, I mean, they're on pace for the most rushing attempts in the Mahomes era, and let me elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, first of all, they talked a lot about it on the broadcast. Andy Reid, I mean, it's no question now, especially with Belichick's troubles, that Andy Reid is the best coach in football, hands down, and he's probably the best coach in football for the past 10 years, if you want to take out Belichick out of the equation, which is not fair because he's had Super Bowl rings during that time. But anyway, Andy Reid is the best coach in the NFL, and he's the king of making adjustments. And I've fallen victim in the past of saying that the Chiefs are not the Chiefs because they don't look the same. Like when they lost Tyree Kill, and you can attest to this, like I was hammering on the table every week that like there is something wrong with this Chiefs team. They can't do anything without Tyree Kill. This doesn't look like the Chiefs. This doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes. And they proved me completely wrong. And I'm not going to make that mistake again. And I think a lot of t a lot of people are sleeping on the Chiefs right now because they don't look like the normal Chiefs. But they're doing what Andy Reid has always done. They're altering their identity. They're changing the script. And it really comes down to the run game. So, so far this year, they rank 13th in rush attempts among all the teams in National Football League. So that puts them on pace for a first top 15 ranking in rush attempts since 2016, that is seven years since they were top 15 in rush attempts. Right now, they're 13th. They could finish as the top 10 team in rush attempts, which is even crazier to think about. And a fun little uh, debate that we had before the podcast. Guess who the last Chiefs running back was to uh, finish top 15 in rush attempts? Spencer Ware who was a fun uh, little waiver wire pickup in 2016 on that 2016 Chiefs team. There was Jeremy Macklin. So that'll put things into perspective as to how long ago it was since Andy Reid ran a Chiefs team like that. And I think that we could start talking about maybe this is the best running back that I wouldn't put Pacheco into the same conversation as a Shady McCoy, but maybe Isaiah Pacheco is the best running back that he's had since LaShawn McCoy. I think that there is... Certainly a Kareem Hunt argument in his rookie season. He went for 272 carries, over 1,000 yards, and almost 10 tuds. Pacheco's looking to do 
much of the same as he's on pace for 247 carries over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. So this team, the Chiefs team has altered their identity to make it almost a run first team that relies on the run game because of the lack of receivers that they have. So I love what this Chiefs team is doing right now. I love Andy Reid that he's doing this. And I like that we have a new brand of football in Kansas City. But what do you think, man? What do you think from all that? Before we get flamed in the comments, did we ever get a verdict on if Andy Reid coached Jamal Charles? Because that's a good question. Let me look okay. into that. But so you elaborate on yeah. my point, and to, I will go ahead and look at to that. further elaborate on that, man. Like I also think that something that needs to be taken into account and why it feels a little different is this defense is also uh, playing at a really high level and. That is also part of altering their identity. This is a team that over the last probably six or seven years has been a team that needs to try and, you know, boat race their opponents, get to 30 points to win these games because their defense can't really hold them. I mean, we remember in those 2020, 2021 seasons where their Chiefs, the Chiefs defense was getting lit up on a week-to-week basis. Now, this is probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had since he's been in Kansas City. So, that is also part of it. Allows them to control games. I mean, we were looking and we were looking at that Broncos game on Thursday night, and we're like, "Oh, well, the Chiefs should put up 50." But they can just play good defense and control these games. They don't have to unload the clip with the playbook and show everybody all these plays that Andy Reid has in the chamber against the Broncos on Thursday night football when all these teams are going to be watching. Like, that's very important is to kind of keep those plays close to the vest for when you're playing the bills, when you're playing the dolphins in two weeks, like that matters. And the fact that they're able to effectively run the ball is just something that they haven't had in quite a few years here. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Uh, To avoid the flaming in the comments, he did have Jamal Charles for two years in Kansas city, his first two years as head coach. So if, If you want to count that, go ahead. It's kind of hard to make an impact in your first two years as a head coach in this league. Uh, But he did have Jamal Charles. He was on the back end of his career, 27, 28. So it wasn't prime Jamal Charles. So Pacheco could still be the best running back since a prime LaShawn McCoy. So, Yeah, and I've always, like, had this weird, like, affinity for him because he runs like he's trying to, like, murder the turf. Um Angry just, at the ground. Yeah, like that. Says. Yeah, like that. I, I don't remember the last time I saw that running style because a lot of guys with dreads, Jamal Charles included, granted, Jamal Charles is actually a speed freak, but guys with dreads tend to be, people tend to think that they're And a Jamal Charles in his prime you know, is flying much all over better the place. Yes. than Pacheco. Yes. Let me get that off because I don't want to get flamed. I'm probably and, already going to get flamed. Yeah. But. And Kareem Hunt. At his, like, the peak of Kareem Hunt, probably better, but Isaiah Pacheco, the best running back the Chiefs have had since Jamal Charles that didn't kick somebody. So that's probably the take that we're going to roll with. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're running the ball much more effectively. They're, I believe, 13th in EPA per play um, as running, uh, and then they're 12th in yards per game running. So this is not something that they've had. And this takes a lot of pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. I think like you said a little bit, it is due to the lack of receiving weapons that they have here. I don't think he trusts really anybody quite yet. That's not Travis Kelsey to throw the ball to. However, they need to get that going. Cause I don't know if you're going to be able to rely on the run all the time when you're playing teams like Cleveland teams. Like, I mean, hell we saw it on Sunday night football the other couple weeks ago couldn't really establish the run against the Jets outside of a few big runs. Um, 
when you're playing these really good teams, you're going to have to score points, especially in an AFC with the Dolphins, with the Bills, with the Bengals when they get healthy. You can't do the clock control stuff all the time. So maybe this is covering up for the passing offense a little bit, but it's definitely a good thing to establish this this early in the season. Absolutely. Can't agree more. Last thing I'll mention is that while these tackles have been the highlight of a lot of hilarious clips that we've seen on Twitter, the Chiefs tackles have been terrible so far this year. This interior line, led by Creed Humphrey, is great. And Pacheco can definitely run behind that line. So that's going to be consistent throughout the entire season. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out for the Kansas City Chiefs. But all right. So our third overall takeaway from week six NFL action and your second overall takeaway is. I'm starting to think that Mike McDaniel might be the best play caller in the NFL. Like, listen, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Kyle Shanahan, those guys are fantastic coaches. Two of those guys call their plays on offense and Mike McDaniel is a disciple of Kyle Shanahan, as we all know, has been well publicized at this point. But what he's able to do, he is insanely creative with this offense. I mean, they got in a 14-0 hole against the Panthers, and we were all like, uh, what, what's going on down in Miami? They score 35 unanswered. Mike White's in by like midway through the fourth quarter, just ho-hum, whatever. I don't. I think Tua's only finished three games so far this season because they can just take him out and put Mike White. Like, it's insane what they're able to do with motion, how they're able to not only just be like, okay, well, we have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They're really fast. We're going to get them on the move and make them really, really fast. Jalen Waddle finally got involved this week. That was nice to see. Tyreek Hill had a, you know, ho-hum 164 yards. Tyreek Hill is, I believe, 180 yards-ish away from 1,000 yards. It's and I'm sure you caught the, uh, the backflip with the uh, the phone, so yeah. not a lot of humans could do that. Very yeah. impressive. <laughs> I did think it was funny. The, uh, the UK NFL Twitter page tweeted that video, but then realized we're going to fine him for this, so it's probably not a good idea to be promoting this, <laughs> so they deleted it. But, yeah. I mean, 164 yards, uh, just whatever. It's Tyreek Hill. He's got 800 yards through six weeks. He's... I think he's easily on pace for 2000 at this moment. Maybe not like super easily, but I think he is on pace, uh, which would, that was his goal coming into the season. He said, you know, I want to be the first 2000 yard receiver. He's doing his damnedest to get there. And Mike McDaniel is doing his damnedest to get him there. We also, I don't know if he played chase Claypool might be introduced to this offense here soon. A little speed tight end. I'm just saying, Stop. I'm just saying, Stop. dude, he's been yeah, in impressive. Matt Canada's offense and Luke Getze's offense. The reason why it didn't work in Chicago just... was because of his unwillingness to block. The Dolphins have yeah. used Tyreek Hill at tight end at multiple points this year. They don't need him to block. And if they're on a play, we're like, all right, we're going to need you to block, Chase. They won't put him in the game. <laughs> I think, I don't dude, know. I, it feels I very chosen Anderson. It feels like Chosen Anderson hey, 2.0. Hey, buddy. Um, I'm sorry. But yeah, like, I mean, I can sit here and read off the stats for you. They're averaging 37 points per game. They're averaging just under 500 yards per game. Uh, Statistically, they are the best offense since the show on turf. Which, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's the Rams offense with Marshall Falk. 
uh, Kurt Warner. I mean, we're talking about a very old team here. Yeah, I mean, and especially era adjusted, the best offense that we've seen in the NFL. Now, obviously, yards are picking up a little bit, pace of play and stuff like that, but they are averaging almost six-tenths of a point per play. Which means if they get oh my god, dude, you know, what five every five <laughs> plays they get a field goal, pretty much. Ooh. Every five offensive plays they get three points, which is bananas. Uh, they're averaging eight yards per play, which means that they very rarely are going to get to third down. Uh, and they're forty four converting forty four percent of the third downs. That's seventh in the NFL. They're number one in red zone scoring. They get a touchdown eighty percent of the time when they're in the red zone, which is Four out of five times, if they get in the red zone five times and in the they, game. They don't throw the ball. In the, like, you you want to talk about the strength of this team is the passing game, obviously. But they every time they get inside the five, they they will not throw the ball. That's not going to happen. That's uh, They are going to run it in. And I know this as a frustrated fantasy owner. But, like, they can still cook that way. That that's that They're doing just fine. And like we did, uh, we did have news that Devon A. Chain is going to miss some time. I believe he got placed on the IR last week. Um, All respect. Mostert, yeah, who cares? All respect matter. to A. Chain. Who, cha- who cares? Man? They put Mostert in. He does the same thing. They're getting six and a half yards per run. Uh, they're getting two and a half rushing touchdowns per game. I mean, I can just sit here and do the hundred and hundred and eighty-one <laughs> rushing yards per game for a team that's that- predicated on. Oh my god, it's ins- it's insane. I I can't I cannot stress enough how crazy this is and back to the actual point of Mike McDaniel here is the way that he's using motion to make all of this happen and he's creating these running lanes for these guys that are so fast. Most certain A-Chain A-Chain is a, you know, 5 or 6 years younger version of Raheem Mostert except he's got like really good contact balance too. Which like there is I think A Chain is better than a younger version of Raheem Mostert. Well, like I'm saying okay. okay. Raheem Mostert but like the speed element of it and Mostert I get it. Okay. With because there's been there's been hundreds of track stars to come into the NFL, but A Chain actually able to take hits a little bit and still be one of the fi- fastest players on the planet. Um yeah. like that's what makes him special and that's what allows Mike McDaniel I guess this is, you know, saying his job's a little easy. But not everybody can make what's happening here. What's happening here is truly special. Like if this, especially if this holds for the rest of the season, this may not be repeated by a non-Dolphins team. It won't be. It won't be. Yeah, like unless they, teams unless will they do it again next, next year. year. Well, teams will adjust next year. I don't know how you adjust. You can't. That's the problem. Of an like, offense. Like but. if Tyreek Hill is doing like the arena football, like getting a 10-yard head start where he runs from the left side all the way to the right side and they snap it and he just turns up and goes, there's literally nothing you can do about that. Because yeah. let's, especially if he goes from left to right and then is when they snap it, he goes back, runs across or to the left. There's no corner that can even build up that speed to then cut all the way back that way and stay inside. It's impossible. Because if you there get wasn't on the anything you could him, do against Tyreek Hill in the first place, it's so impossible. now you just have to make it harder. Like, like impossible, as you put it. I just I, I don't know what to say anymore. Like I love Kyle Shanahan, and I it's I almost love, like we're frustrated at how good I, I, Mike McDaniel's. The more the is. more and more I talk about it, the more frustrated I'm getting that like I've got to this sit on my I've got to watch jet sweeps every six plays. Uh, with Matt Canada every week, when this could we could be doing this, like every team in the NFL could be doing this. Maybe not with yeah. the personnel, but they could be doing it with somebody. Yeah. Oh, man, I just 
I, I don't know what else to say. Put a like, smile on your face. It's fun. It's history. It's offense. It's scoring. It's all the great things that you wanted. And Mike McDaniel, it couldn't happen to a better guy. Not that he, it's happening to him, but it couldn't be a better guy that's making all this happen because Mike McDaniel is one of the coolest coaches personality-wise that we've had in the NFL for a long time. So, yeah. Go Mike McDaniel. Best play caller in the National Football League. Period. My third takeaway, or my second takeaway from this past week, is that Joe Burrow seems to be getting his footing back, man. I mean, he looked nice on Sunday. I mean, the thing that I noticed the most was his mobility. I mean, his ability to roll outside the pocket, that was something that he just could not do in the first five weeks of the season. And, I mean, we talked about together on this podcast, and I talked to it, you know, I talked about it again with Tyler at some point. There was questions about whether or not you shut down Joe Burrow for the season with how he started his season and how his calf looked. I mean, you just don't. He's the most expensive toy in football. Why would you want to keep messing that up? But seems like he's gotten his rest, and the Bengals bounced back in a big way this past week. I mean, I got to love Joe Burrow. Looking like himself again. I mean, he's got the connection with Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase has been good all season. He just hasn't really gotten targets up until these past two weeks. And now they're finally getting Jamar Chase involved. Now, it's still up for debate whether or not Zach Taylor is a good coach, whether this Bengals team is going to be this competitive for the rest of the season. That's all up for debate. And I'm willing to hear all of that. But Joe Burrow, he was playing like just regular Joe Schmo, Joe Burrow for the first five weeks this season this is joe shiesty joe shiesty ah. joe shiesty has returned in cincinnati and i can't love it more man gotta love the franchise quarterbacks making their stamp on the 2023 nfl season in week six kind of tough but yeah joe burrow is back i don't know how i feel about this whole Bengals team but i think joe burrow being back is the first step in the process to coming back into stardom but what do you think about joe burrow this week yeah, I mean, as a whole, like on a pure quarterback performance basis, I think Arizona is probably the game where you point to and be like, okay, okay. this was All Joe right. Burrow Respect. being better. But I will give you the mobility thing. Like he yeah. did look like that's he could fine. move a little bit more. And that was that's what you like to see. Now they also head into the bye week after you saw that progress. That's another great sign because now he gets full two weeks to rest up and you know heal that, ang- uh, that calf a little bit more. You would hope. By week eight, it's to the point where, like, okay, he's pretty much, like, he's, like, 95% healthy now. Uh, But the other part of this game that I just want to touch on, I know it's not necessarily Joe Burrow, but this defense really looked good. Uh, And that was one of the primary reasons why they were able to get this win. Joe Burrow didn't have as much. Yeah. It's it's really starting to come together because that was one of our main criticisms about the Bengals early in the season is, while Burrow is un, 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 unhealthy right now, usually the Bengals' defense will be able to kind of keep them in games. It's not an outstanding unit, but they've, they're have they very underrated. They do their job well. But they weren't even doing that at the beginning of the season, and that was the turmoil. That was why we found them troubling, and now they're starting to pick that up again. Joe Burrow's starting to pick it up again. They're just, you know, after those first few weeks for the Bengals, they turn this thing around. And I don't know, probably a month and a half from now, we're talking about them as a Super Bowl team again. We're not there yet. You know, we're seeing positive things from Joe Burrow. It's we're so seeing... eerily similar to what happened last year. It's ridiculous. And I'm tell- That's what I tried. Like, that's what I was trying to echo was like, look, they did this last year. It's a little different because of the injury, but 
they take time. I don't know why they take time. I think that part of that, and maybe not as much this year, but definitely last year, can be attributed to Zach Taylor. And like, thank you. There needs to be a reason, and there needs to be a fix for why you're starting zero and two. Why you take four to five weeks to fully get the offense and the defense up to speed and playing at the level that we know that they can play. That part needs to be adjusted. I mean, obviously not something you can adjust until you get to try again at the beginning of next year. But, like, that's the main criticism of Zach Taylor for me. Is Once they get going, you've got Joe Burrow. You've got Jamar Chase. Uh, I believe T. Higgins was on a snap count in this game. He didn't do a whole lot. But another guy, get him into the bye week. Rest up. It's a, I believe it was a, was it a broken rib? Or, like, a really bruised rib? Because I know, I remember the report was, look. it's just a measure of pain tolerance. Of, like, you know, they're going to shoot him up with stuff. And it's just how much you can do. But, like, rib injury. Yep. Cracked yeah. rib. Yeah. Like, that's not something where you can just, like, oh, just forget about it. Like, you feel it every time you breathe. When you're a football player, you feel it every time you get tackled. <laughs> so, it's uh, not the easiest injury to play through. And I think that an extra week, uh, this bye week, I don't even really think this could be coming at a better time for Cincinnati. You have some momentum going into it. The schedule does get a little bit tougher after this stretch for them. So really good timing on the bye week. And we're talking about the Bengals as a contender again, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, are we ready? There was some question marks about whether or not Joe Burrow was even a top five quarterback with the way he was playing to start this season. But are we ready to put him back into that category? Like for just in general, not how the season is going right now, but talent-wise. Yeah, the thing, the th- I mean, I, the th- talent-wise, I don't think he ever left. And if he did, he shouldn't have, because we know when he's healthy. Well, he's, there was some talk about that. That's yeah, and I think that was some like, oh, well, he's missed two games within, like, we're talking heads on ESPN and stuff like that. We'll get that going, and that's yeah. part of the problem, and that's why people don't watch that anymore. But... Now that he's back, it feels a lot easier to say it because for a few weeks it was like, oh, well, the the calf is healthy. Like, he's good enough to play, but he's not playing well. That was the concern, and I think that's why a lot of people were flipping out. I think the real line was that Titans loss where they couldn't really do anything even after getting the win against the Rams on Monday Night Football. I think a lot of people were like, oh, okay, it's fixed, and then they you know drop another dud to Tennessee. But two straight wins, you get the bye. Now, after that, you got to go to San Francisco. And you got the Bills on Sunday Night Football. Then you got Houston, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. Got to win those four games. You got it. So you got those six. I feel like you do kind of have to win four. Yeah. Like, I think they'll be at home against Houston. I think they'll be favored in that one. And they'll be at home against Pittsburgh. I think they'll be favored in that one. So you got to split at San Francisco, at home for Buffalo, at Baltimore, at Jacksonville. While Joe Shiesty might be back, like that's my whole takeaway from this thing that he looks like, like you said, the mobility thing. But like this Bengals team still has serious problems, I think. Like they didn't beat the Seahawks handedly on Sunday. Seahawks are a good team. Like the Seahawks are not a bad team. And I think. But coming into the season, where did we have the Bengals in comparison to the Seahawks? Yeah, I mean. where, yeah, but cut three weeks ago, where did we have the Bengals in compared to the Seahawks? Like, they're making progress in the right direction. Okay. Like, yeah, That's not right. everything's perfect quite yet, but how many teams have everything perfect right now? Like, I, I think the Bengals are fine. Now, if they dropped this game this, in a similar way to the way that they dropped the Titans game, going into the bye week and looking at their panic. schedule, panic button is 
smashed and broken. Like we're having serious concerns in Cincinnati, but they were able to gut this win out despite even though Burrow looked better, still wasn't like a a vintage Burrow game or even as good as he no. was against Arizona. They were able to I gut mean, this one out with the defense. 185 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. So it's like it was like you said, not a signature Joe Burrow game by the slightest. But if you watch the game, you saw Mobley was. You saw him rolling out of the pocket like he hasn't done at all this year. So Joe Shiesty seems to be back in Cincinnati. We'll see what the rest of the team can do as we move forward in the NFL season. All right. My next takeaway, or your next takeaway in this, I won't steal your thunder on your next takeaway, so I'll let you uh, let you present it to us, man. Yeah, I think the Browns might have just stamped themselves as the best defense in the NFL after this week. You go in, you've got no Deshaun Watson, you've had no Nick Chubb for a few weeks now. Doesn't matter. This defense is insane. I believe there was a point in the, it was right before the final drive for the 49ers. So every drive in the second half up until that point, they had 11 yards in the second half up until that final drive. This, I mean... And we've seen this offense. I mean, we just talked about Miami. It's actually disgusting. I know. I know. I could not believe that. Like, P.J. Walker put together 100 yards uh, against a good San Francisco defense, and San Francisco couldn't even muster that. Now, they do lose Christian McCaffrey, I believe, midway into this game, so they were running with Jordan Mason for a lot of that. But And Debo Samuel, also a little questionable, but 11 yards, a first down, like, that's it. And this is a different conversation, but that 49ers team shouldn't be excused for that loss. Like, they still have Brandon Ayuk. You still have George Kittle. You still – Trent Williams was back into the game at that point, so you have a fully healthy offensive line. It was just that Browns defense like you're talking about. Yeah, and look, I am fully aware that if Jake Moody makes a very makeable NFL kick, we're having a different conversation right now. But I'm not sure if we should be because what the Browns did on Sunday, you know – should not be changed by the result of one kick. They still put Mm -mm. together a phenomenal defensive performance to get them to that point where, you know, walking in with P.J. Walker and Jerome Ford as your quarterback and running back when you were supposed to have Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb heading into the season and going in and beating the San Francisco team that we just talked about Miami. We were talking about San Francisco maybe not as high, but probably the second-best offense in the NFL mixed with one of the best defenses in the NFL in San Francisco. To not get, like... Really, anything, especially in the second half. I mean, the first drive for San Francisco, I believe they scored. They walked right down the field. But after that, it was just a whole lot of nothing. Uh, They had trouble getting Ayuk the ball. He had a ton of, I think he had 11 targets, only four catches in this game. So that's a little concerning. But on the Browns, obviously, let's let's talk about the Browns side. I mean, they're allowing the least yards per game in the NFL. They're averaging, I believe, just over or just under 200 yards per game or allowing that yeah just over 200.4 yards per game they're only allowing 15 points per game uh, yards per play they're the number one in the nfl they're like playing fantastic and i I talked about this in week one about how those additions that they made zadarius smith uh dalvin thompson to help miles garrett out as he's been that like number one guy and then they can bring two to three guys onto his side over the last few years because of how dominant he is and how there was not a whole lot else there to impact him or impact the game now they don't have that and he can kind of get single coverage a lot more and we see how dominant he is with single coverage i just think this is a huge win for cleveland uh the deshaun watson status is still up in the air i know that 
I saw a report after the game that he may even miss more time with an injury. PJ Walker like, was slinging that thing. I will say, that's he was terrible. slinging that thing. He was playing in the. He was in the game. <laughs> I saw him play. Okay. Like what was this BFF grade? I'm interested Curious. to see. Let's see. Like was a, it? Let's talk or a battle at who can get there first. Oh, it's uh, it was bad. Oh my god, it was really bad. What were you talking, uh, dude? What are you talking about? I will like I saw a couple plays where it looked like he threw a good football. That that was I was talking out. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Or <laughs> do you want me to say it? I'll just twenty six point four. Okay. Worst of the season of anybody that took snaps. What was DTRs last week? Not too much higher. Uh, thirty eight point four. Wow. So the Browns wow. might have a bit of a problem. Over the next few weeks, uh, especially with they've already caught their bye. And uh, again, you don't have Nick Chubb to lean on. Like if Sean Watson gets hurt with Nick Chubb still here, you can lean on that. Kareem Hunt scored a touchdown on Sunday. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll tell you this. This Browns defense going to have to be the best in the NFL, or if not just one of the best in the NFL for the remainder of this season for them to have a chance in this AFC that we seeing it's starting to thin out a little bit. Like that's one thing that we talked about at the beginning of the season where we were like, Oh, there's eight of our top 10 teams are in the AFC, uh, not even including the Jags who, you know, look like they're going to be towards the top of their division. Still the jets didn't move to the back of that conversation, but you just, you've got to stay afloat somehow without Watson to, you know, this is a everybody's jumping on top of each other in this conference right now. And if they see a Deshaun Watson injury, they can pounce on that. It could get rough quick here. Let's go take a look at their schedule. So, after San Francisco, mildly difficult schedule. They got Indy next week, who's been feisty. They've got Seattle, both those games on the road. Then they get Arizona, then they get Ravens, Steelers, Broncos. It's actually not a Wow, they actually have a really nice schedule. So Broncos, after the Broncos, they get Rams, Jags, Bears, Texans, Jets, Should I Bengals. whisper this? Go ahead. Whisper. A, I might have to whisper this. Can the Browns win this division so, without Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb? No. This defense is great. Don't get me wrong. It's I, My takeaway is that they have the best defense in the NFL because they're playing like it right now. They played like it on Sunday. But they beat the best team in the NFL without Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb. They also got outscored 27 to 3 two weeks ago without Deshaun Watson, or maybe with Deshaun Watson. No, DTR. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was DTR. Week. That was the DTR week. Um, without Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb by the team in this division that I think right, they're leading the division right now, probably the division favorite. So. I think it's going to be more of a wild card situation. Again, this is all dependent on Deshaun Watson's health. If he comes back next week, we're talking about, yes, they definitely could with this defense. You know, the run game hasn't been abysmal with Jerome Ford. It just hasn't been as dominant without Nick Chubb. But if you take the passing game away from that, I mean, at the end of the day, the Browns offense only scored, what, 12 points? So... That's kind of the tough discussion. I know that we're kind of walking away from the Browns having the best defense and turning this into a much more pessimistic conversation uh, what was supposed to be an optimistic topic. But the only reason we're talking about other things is because we know that this defense yeah. is one of the best that's, in the league, and that's a staple. 
that's the thing is like this is not a variable unit like you're not worried about exactly. this they're going to play at a top five to top three level on a week-to-week basis regardless Bingo. of who they're playing we saw that this week against the san francisco 49ers which were widely regarded to be one of the two or three best offenses in the nfl could have just been having an off day but i really think the browns were able to not crack a code per se but get pressure on brock purdy put miles garrett on the side that trent williams isn't on and uh yeah you should be fine the offense is the issue. That's what you're scared about. If Watson's like missing five, six weeks, something that's five to six more weeks, unfortunately, it might this defense might go to waste. I just I don't see a world in which PJ Walker and Jerome Ford can I mean, even looking at those next six, you'd have to win three of those to feel confident. And yeah. it's doable for sure. But I think there's are gonna there there are gonna be weeks where this offense with no Chubb with no Watson puts up six points and there's not a whole lot the defense can do about that there just isn't. Um, yeah. But overall, that's that's again, true. let's 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 end this on a positive note, man. Yeah. They're three and two because they just beat what we had to be the best team in football, and defense is playing fantastic. Miles Garrett right in it for Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, if Watson can get back. We're talking about a team that, you know, you said it without, but definitely with Watson, they can compete for this division easily. Yeah, no, absolutely. Last thing I'll add to that whole thing is that I think Jim Schwartz has made the huge difference in this defense. I mean, he, former head coach in this league, former defensive coordinator on the Philly team that went to the Super Bowl, not only went to the Super Bowl, but won the Super Bowl. So, and that defense was the staple of that team because if you can recall, Nick Foles was the quarterback of that Philadelphia Eagles squad. Uh, Yeah, Jim Schwartz. And they talked about a lot at the beginning of the season about how he's given a lot of energy to this defense. Like he's been like, you guys, I want you celebrating after every single play that you make as a team. And that's like a very Nathaniel Hackett type concept which i thought was a little weird uh but jim schwartz coming from jim schwartz a very respectable head coach done this for a long time gotta love it so i think he's made a huge difference on this defense it's cool when he does it not when nathaniel hackett does it but one (laughs) last note one last note before we poor nathaniel hackett can't escape all the all the criticism just a low blow my bad my bad continue (laughs) jim schwartz uh eight and one Jim Schwartz defenses eight and one against uh, Kyle Shanahan coached offenses. Can't imagine that there's anybody in the NFL that has a better record against Kyle Shanahan's offenses from the Atlanta years to now. Can't imagine that there's any coach that has a better record than that. That's actually insane. That's actually insane against the guy who's probably second, if not third, to McVay, if not fourth. They've only they've only scored over twenty points once. Wow, wow, dude. Kyle Shanahan cannot escape Jim Schwartz. He lives rent-free inside his head, and that is why this Browns defense is one of the best in the National Football League. I could say the same thing, or much of the same, about this Jets defense that you just said about the Cleveland defense, because this Jets defense put on a show yesterday on Sunday, taking down the Eagles, one of the best teams in the National Football League, on Sunday, it was the best game of the day uh, by far. It was in the 4 o'clock window. Love to see that. Love to see the Jets still making things happen. And we talked about a couple weeks ago about how Zach Wilson's able to keep this team afloat. In the meantime, this Jets defense is going to keep this team competitive 
until Rodgers comes back. Because I really do think Rodgers is coming back. He was throwing a football today, by the way. But we're not talking about the Jets' offense. We're talking about this defense and how phenomenal it has been. And Robert Sala had a quote today that I'm paraphrasing when I talk about this because he said something along the lines of we've handed, we've played some phenomenal quarterbacks, a gauntlet of quarterbacks actually is what he used, and we've embarrassed them all. And, I mean, he's right. When you go look at it, I mean, they played the Eagles on Sunday. Hurts had three interceptions in that game. He looked terrible. I mean, there's some serious question marks about Jalen Hurts going forward, and a lot of it's coming out of this Jets game. That was the second three-INT game of his entire career. And for a guy like Jalen Hurts, who is like an air raid type of guy, three interceptions in a single game is concerning, to say the least. And this Jets defense gave him all sorts of problems. And, I mean, Salah mentioned a gauntlet of quarterbacks. They played Patrick Mahomes. He had the worst single-game PFF grade, 52.5, since 2021. So he didn't have a worse game all season last year without Tyreek Hill. So that's crazy to think about. And then they played Josh Allen. He had the worst single-game PFF grade of his career since 2019, 49.6. I mean, they're giving some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL some serious trouble. And I think this Jets defense is going to keep doing, man. I mean, Sauce Gardner, I don't know what his injury status is right now. Because he, do you happen to know what he's dealing with on the injury side? They said it was concussion protocol. Now, I also saw a report that it was an illness, which was accompanied by a video of him getting his food the Aki way. So that may have some part to do with it. Yeah, you didn't see that? He was getting his food the Aki way. Got like chopped cheese, mozzarella sticks. Probably why he had a little bit of a stomach bug. Uh, But they also didn't have DJ Reed in this game. So I remember saying right as that game started, I was like, "Uh, yeah, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith might be a problem against their third and fourth corners for the Jets. Uh, And that was not the case. I mean, neither of those guys had atrocious days, I don't believe. But Jalen Hurts sure did. I mean, this was the worst that we've seen Jalen Hurts look in a singular game uh, really since his first season as a full-time starter or his first uh, couple starts. And, I mean, this Jets team as a whole, you talked about the Zach Wilson being able to keep them afloat. The Jets, are the, the Jets defense is the ship. Zach Wilson just has to kind of not run it into humongous waves point. and icebergs. That's a great analogy. Like, just don't do that. Because this, this ship is massive, and it is strong, <laughs> and it is durable. Because they, dude, like, the same things that I said about Cleveland, I'm going to say about, like, they're, they were always putting pressure on them, even against an Eagles offensive line that we know to be one of the best, especially, you know, what they're able to do in comparison. They'd have some weird plays like uh, Dallas Goddard catching a screen, having it popped up in the air, and Quinn and Williams gets an interception. Um, but they're second in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, they're second in the NFL in takeaways, uh, tied with the Bills and then behind the Jags with 13 in six weeks. So two a game, you know, you get two free possessions for Zach Wilson and company. That's very important. Uh, But if you can force the Eagles to turn the ball over four times in a single game, you're going to do pretty well because the Eagles, one of the best ball control teams in the NFL, Jalen Hurts already up to six interceptions on the season so far. Three of them come in this game. He had seven all of last year. So that just shows how big it is for them to have that many turnovers, especially with no sauce Gardner. He's not the type of quarterback that throws for three interceptions in a game. 
Yeah, like I mean, he's that's... it's not like he doesn't have those Josh Allen like, oh, I'm going to throw the I'm gonna throw the ball to defense four times today because I want to. Like, granted, okay. the last time that happened, Jets game, Jets defense. So they're flying around, they're hitting. Uh Quincy Williams been one of the bigger breakouts in this season so far. He was like one of the main, like, uh, are we certain about this guy for this Jets defense? He's been fantastic this year. Another guy I want to highlight is Bryce Huff. He's got, uh, I believe, 25 pressures. I can't remember if that was before or after this past Sunday. But he's been fantastic, and he's like their fourth edge rusher. Um, They just bring him in off the bench, and he gets pressure. He's got, I believe, 25 pressures on 87 pass rush snaps, I believe was the number, which, you know, you go looking around the league to guys in a similar tier. I mean, my guy TJ Watts got 27 and I believe 150 pass rush snaps. So Bryce Huff really getting after the quarterback right now. And we're going to talk about this Jets team a lot because they are polarizing because of this defense and because of Zach Wilson and because of Aaron Rodgers looming. But the reason why we're still talking about them and the reason why they're still relevant is because of this group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Quentin Williams a little bit, but he's obviously the star of this defense. I mean, there's no question about it. But you mentioned Quincy Williams. He's been phenomenal. And C.J. Mosley is having a bounce-back campaign. Like, because C.J. Mosley was starting to be, like, he was one of the best linebackers in the National Football League, what? When he was with Baltimore, obviously. I don't remember how long ago that was, but it feels like a while. And it seemed like C.J. Mosley went to New York to die. And he's the third-ranked PFF linebacker uh, overall the National Football League. So got to love that. And I mentioned before the season, Jermaine Johnson would get some play this year. He has been fantastic, but he has looked imposing when he's out there. And he is a former first round pick that got a lot of hype in the draft. So they're making all things work in New York right now. Like you said, it is an oil tanker of a defense. Zach Wilson just has to, it's like, it's like Dwight steering the ship, uh, in that office episode on the booze cruise, when he's not really steering the ship, it's the defense, but you can give Zach Wilson the, the wheel. I'm getting a little too deep into the analysis here, but this Jets defense is elite and definitely has an argument to be the best in the National Football League right now. Uh, one housekeeping note, that was not the worst single game PFF grade of Josh Allen's career. Uh, it was since 2019. I know I said that, but it came out very uh, iffy um, since 2019. And to put that into perspective, I mean, Josh Allen in 2019, we were questioning whether or not he was going to be a future quarterback. Yeah, in that, that that was before Josh Allen became the Josh Allen that we knew today in 2020. And exactly. Since then, so definitely like since Josh Allen was uh, reborn, let's say, um, this has been the worst game of his new career uh, for sure. Just one more, th- like I'm just... I said it again, and I'm going to say it again. Like, this is the only reason why we're still talking about the Jets. Like, if this defense was a middle-of-the-pack unit, the Jets are done. Aaron Rodgers isn't talking about coming back. There weren't, there wouldn't even be championship expectations in the first place when Aaron Rodgers was here. Exactly. Not many defenses can do that. Not many defenses can support a team, an offense that's been as stagnant and as stale as theirs has through these six weeks. Not many defenses can support that for that long. Teams can do it on a week-to-week basis, and I know that they've, you know, they're three and three, so they've lost three of those games. But I just very, very impressed with this Jets defense as a whole, and it's probably I wouldn't say their best performance, but definitely one of their two or three best performances coming 
without Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. So very, very impressed with what I saw on Sunday and hope that it continues moving forward. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know I'm a hard knocks darling, but in hard knocks, they talked about so much how this defense is the best in the National Football League. And at that time, we were just kind of like, ah, yeah, okay, we'll see. And they're putting on a show right now, to say the least. So, okay, I think that just wraps up the uh, takeaways from week six of NFL action. Uh, Looking forward to hopefully another episode this week with my guy Jaden because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about that's going to be pretty pressing coming up here uh we'll see what the result is the Monday night football game that'll definitely have a lot to do with it but I'm looking forward to the episode we have later this week and until then catch you guys later peace